Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my beautiful wife, Janet, and our wonderful producer, Lindsay. And we are streaming live in the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio today in beautiful Moses Lake, Washington. And you can catch us here every Monday, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, right here on my personal Facebook page and live on the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy's YouTube channel. Channel. Also, catch us a day or so later when the podcast is edited and uploaded to your favorite podcast forums like iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud and Stitcher and iHeartRadio. So don't miss us there. Listen there. Like us. Comment. Let us know what topics you'd like to hear, especially go to our YouTube channel. It is growing evermore. We have over 100 videos on there now. Um, lots of different topics um, so subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss an episode, and please comment there and share. So today, we would like to welcome Dr. John Sanders with um, Vonage Voyage DPC, and he is a DPC, which is direct primary care um, doctor. He, um, like all the direct primary care, has a membership model. You guys are familiar with that if you've watched our, our podcast um, because we talk about it a lot. I'm a big believer in it. When you look at my book um, on Amazon, Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It, available on Kindle, soon to be available on paperback version and a audio version. I'm hoping by the end of the year that'll be done. We're, we're busy working on that right now. But one of the fixes, and there's a six-step solution. So the government ruined healthcare. Okay, I get that. But what are we going to do? Just whine and cry about it? No. Here at Health Solutions, um, Team Needham has solutions for things, not just sit and whine about problems. We have solutions. And there's a six-step solution in that book of how we can fix healthcare. One of the fixes is actually direct primary care and, and seek out direct primary care providers because that is going to help healthcare be more accessible um, and better price. So, Dr. Sanders, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history and how you got into direct primary care? Yeah, uh, I'm John, Dr. John, um, and uh, I grew up in a, in a in a mining town in Nevada. Uh, I went to Uni University of Nevada, Las Vegas for undergrad. I did sports medicine there and then uh, medical school in Florida and residency in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, from there, I I, uh, you know, went to practice rural medicine in Moab for six years, super fun, delivering babies, working in the ER, the hospital. Um, and I've always been interested in the back end of medicine, which is the business side, right? And the finances of that. And, and I was a little bit frustrated when a patient would ask, hey, what's this going to cost? And, 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 and I couldn't give him the answer. And my, my administrator couldn't give him the answer. The, the, the manager couldn't give him the answer. And so um, I just thought, well, this is really odd that it's just there's such a lack of transparency. Uh, and then when I did see some of those bills coming down the pike and stuff and and the financial strain it put on my patients, I was a little frustrated. Um, and then uh, more frustrated was I as I saw the bait and switch that insurance did over the past 30 years where where they uh, they would cover everything at 100 percent. And then slowly but surely they um, meet the needs of their shareholders by covering less and sticking in more co-pays, increasing premiums, and just making it a very untenable situation for um, local businesses, for individuals and families, and just putting a strain on them and pushing them away from me um, with those co-pays and deductibles. And the new one, the max out of pocket, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> we have a low co-pay, but your max out of pocket is still 7,000. Um, right. 
And, and so they just play these games and these gimmicks with my families. And and my my why, I mean, the reason I went into medicine is because I, I like people. I like caring for people. And and uh, and I, I enjoy delivering their babies and watching them grow up and taking care of them out on the sports fields and, um, and you know, taking care of mom and grandma and, and all that. And and when you create obstacles to my why, uh, you, you're, you start to frustrate me. And so, uh, yeah, about, about two and a half years ago, I stepped off of the insurance uh, bicycle and, uh, and I just did this affordable, transparent uh, membership model. And uh, a couple of my buddies were doing it and, and I was like, that's pretty cool. And uh, I've been super happy. You know, I felt, feel like I can deliver the kind of care I want to deliver, spend more time with my patients, get to know them better. And, uh, and be way more affordable and transparent with all of my transactions with them. Super great. I love it. What a wonderful story. And I love the backstory of a direct primary care physician because you guys all have a little bit different a story. But, you know, it's the same concept. You didn't really like what was going on in traditional medical practice. And I can tell you, and maybe Janet can speak to this, that, you know, I can honestly say most physicians that are in traditional medical practice, they're just not happy. And I will say that, I, you know, all is a powerful term, but I will say all the direct primary care doctors that we work with in, um, I, I talk to on our podcast or work through our pharmacy, I mean, they're just all happy. And because they have autonomy, like it sounds like you do. So thanks for sharing that story. And, and thanks for not quitting medicine. We don't want to lose good doctors like you. And unfortunately, there's a lot of doctors that just quit medicine because they get tired of it, right? Yeah, no, that's that's totally true. Um, to speak to your point, these these I don't know if you can see them, but these smile wrinkles they're they're now more of a permanent thing in my life. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is awesome. So you, you spoke of transparent pricing. We talk about this on this show all the time, and isn't that frustrating? How you know? I just did a po a recent post about um, you know make sure that your doctor knows what the prices are of the goods and services that he is recommending, whether it be a referral to a specialist, whether it be an MRI, whether it be a medication, they should at least have some kind of an idea. And you're telling me that they don't. And here's the interesting thing is too, is you can call the administrator, you can call whoever. And they're like, well, what would it be for a, you know, a, a you know, a, a total knee replacement. Oh, well, we don't know. It depends yeah. on how the doctor codes it. And to me, that is just crazy. And they say it's too complicated. But anyway, if you could give some insight on on that, we would really appreciate it. Yeah, one of the things that we do as direct primary care doctors is is um, our relationship is aligned completely with our patients. And so financially and from a healthcare standpoint, and so we're, our, we're, we're the best advocate for our patients. And so from a financial standpoint and from a healthcare standpoint, we try to do the right thing. And so, um, so we can go out and negotiate pricing for our patients. Like I have a local imaging center. In fact, I have two or three because it, it's, you know, you got to go out and negotiate it. So right. it's great. I, I talked to the owners of each of them and said, Hey, I've got this uh, direct primary care practice voyage, direct primary care. What can you do for my clients? And, and they, they gave me cash pricing. That's amazing. And, um, they love dealing with with that that you know just the cash pri price of things and uh, imaging centers, colonoscopies, uh, mammograms, um, labs. Oh, the the rates that I can get on labs are are ridiculous. Like it's so cheap to get a full panel of blood work. You know, like the typical wellness panel that we'll order on somebody, check their thyroid, cholesterol, kidney, liver, and electrolytes, blood counts, and screen them for diabetes is like twenty five bucks. And so, um, you know, when you can beat copays and deductibles consistently 
just by going out and advocating for your patients, it makes you, it, it just feels good, you know, because I, I like to deliver great care, but I also like to get good pricing on things. And so, um, so yeah, it's fun. So Janet, do you have some questions for Dr. Sanders? Well, I, I, I just want to comment. First off, I, I always go to our clients that we're going to interview to their Facebook. And the first thing that caught my eye is um, what the patient-client experience should be and what people don't like about their current status of their visits. And so um, I think people think that this is not possible any longer to have time with their provider. So I would like you to tell us what experience your clients should expect at your direct primary care office. Yeah. Uh, and this is pretty universal across the board for DPC practices. Um, easy access. So they, in fact, just now I answered a text from one of my, one of my mamas who has a question about one of their kids with a rash. And, uh, and so just easy access to, to that. Um, and, and so if I don't have to bring her and her other four kids in, uh, I could just handle it with a quick text and a, and a call and, and a video chat if needed. Um, so that's really fun. Just the convenience of the accessibility of that, those care pieces. Um, the other piece is, is when you do come to the office. Um, I just did a podcast not too long ago about why docs don't listen. And, mm -hmm. and part of it is because we're on this, we're on this broken bicycle trying to deliver healthcare to families and it's very inefficient. I have to, it's just super inefficient and, and it comes with a whole big bureaucratic load and box checking and paperwork and all this stuff that has nothing to do with, with A to B, right. A, a delivering great care to people. And so, um, so it's, it's fun. Like here now in my practice, uh, I spend an hour with the new patients, get to know them. I get to know their kids. I know their names. Uh, I, I know what they like, their hobbies, their interests. And, uh, and then follow-up visits are often, you know, if it's quick and easy, 15 minutes. If it's a longer deal, then we could go 30. So anywhere from 30 to 60-minute visits are typical here at Voyage. And uh, it's beautiful care. It's relationship-driven care. It's high-touch, high-quality care. Um, on the insurance uh, bicycle, the broken bicycle with square wheels and, and all kinds of inefficiencies, um, it became impossible to do that. Um, have to hire three different full-time employees just to interface with that with that monster and uh it only paid me a part of the time and right. and uh and then it stung people away from me right so when they came in to see me they got a copay they got a deductible and so when i want to follow up with somebody they think i'm just after another copay and i'm like no right. I, like this is a legitimate issue and i do need to see you back in a week or two and and talk more and and so now with with uh, voyage direct primary care I can just talk directly to them and, and they don't mind coming back or shooting a quick text or a quick phone call in a week or two and letting me know how they're doing. So if I was going to summarize this for patients and clients out there is that you actually have a relationship that's being built between the two of you. So as you are going through life, when things do come around that you need to address, you can have communication together, right? Not between whether I can afford to go in and see him because this is going to be, you know, way too early for my insurance to cover or I got screened at the front desk and I can't get past that person. And what if this is important? What if it's not? Yeah. And, and there's, 
there's little nuances to care. I love training medical students. I've done it for 10 years and, and I'm always teaching them about the art of medicine. And, and there's little pieces of healthcare that are not, they're not book knowledge. Right. And so that relationship piece of the equation is super important. Um, let's just talk about telehealth. For instance, if you're trying to get a hold of a telehealth company to see if they can help your kid with this thing, right. Um, well, that's, that seems like it's healthcare, right? That seems like it's an okay thing, right? I, I pay this, my, my employer pays for this telehealth company to come and take care of my people. Um, but it's so different when it's a family doctor who knows that kid's name and has done an exam on them in the last three months and, and, and knows you and knows what your, what, how you think and how you interact with your children. And so that telehealth visit just, just went up, you know, 10 points on its, on its, uh, its efficacy, you know, it's just way better and, uh, way more reasonable and just better care, you know, from a doc that knows you has a relationship with you and your kids easy to communicate and to say, my daughter's has a sore throat. What should I do? Uh, just a lot easier. Well, and tell us, go into the history a little bit about telehealth because DPCs like yourself have been doing that for years, but traditional, um, practices really only started it because of COVID mostly. Is that correct? There's been some specialists like, um, you know, nephrologists and stuff that would do a lot of telehealth stuff. But other than that, general general practitioners or family practitioners didn't do that. Will you tell us some of the history there? Yeah. Um, yeah. Traditionally, you know, we just didn't, it was not a service that was offered because again, it was not transactional enough and insurance companies didn't pay for it. And so, so it, it was a transaction and, and so in order to take care of somebody, I needed to bring him into the office and, and collect a copay, do the whole, that whole ball game. Well, in an innovative model like direct primary care, where you just have an annual subscription, um, it's much easier for me to just, to just be available and say, oh, no, this is, this is something simple and easy, and we can take care of it on the phone. Um, and especially if I know that family. The corporatization of medicine has been um, one of its downfalls. And... <laughs> in my opinion. Um, and so you have these big corporatized models that their bottom line is revenue. And, and so they're, you know, they're trying to balance the utilization and the, and, the, and all those things. And, and, and in, in a telehealth product where your employer provides you with a telehealth product, which is staffed by random people that you don't know, um, they're, they're banking on the utilization being very, very low and they're banking on a product that's not, not awesome either. Right. And so, um, so then your utilization is even lower. Whereas in DPC, we over deliver on healthcare. Um, it's not uncommon for people to access way more care than they pay for per year. Um, and I'm totally okay with that. And so are my colleagues because there's such a, there's been such a paucity of really great care in America on this, in this third party payer system model. Um, and so we're able to, to, to fill those gaps. And I've got so many stories of families who, you know, I just haven't been in the doctor for five years and they've got this thing. And I'm like, holy cow, mm, yeah, like you, right, you right. should have that addressed a while ago. So basically what you're telling me is that with telehealth, the reason it didn't happen before was because doctors wouldn't get paid because insurance companies wouldn't pay them. Pay them. So, and you also mentioned, you know, a few minutes back about um, payments from, you know, 
doctors, patients maybe thought that doctors would want patients to come back in just to get another copay. And, and maybe it wasn't a personal issue for the doctor, but um, if that system is getting paid, then, the, and that's how they got paid, they are incentivized by having a patient come in for another visit. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, they, that's, that's how they get paid. It's throughput, it's transactions. Yeah. So there are, I guess what I'm saying is there are um, health systems that will, you know, um, do follow-ups that might not, might, may or may not be necessary, but if Medicare pays for that diabetic to come in every month, then they will have that diabetic come in every month just so they can get paid. Is that true? Is that true sometimes? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Um, I'm, I, I don't know. I think when there are systems like this that are inefficient and frumpy, right. there's bound to be some abuse situations going on. Um, it's more of a game than it is care. And so right. when you're trying to game systems, you're trying to, um, what are they going to pay for? Well, we should right. and, that, and that's where I was going at, really. Yeah. Right. Is it, it is it's just a game. And I think healthcare providers that play the game, I mean, they're kind of accessories to the crime. And I'm actually... Um, quoting Dr. Keith Smith from the Surgery Center of Oklahoma when I say that, because he's the one that taught me about that. And I used to feel guilty about telling my colleagues, well, you know, you guys can't help it. I, you know, you guys are stuck in a system. But you know what? We had a DPC on a few weeks ago, and he decided in order to change the system, he had to get out of the system. And I, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't think you can play the game. Because if you end up playing the game, the patient loses and the healthcare provider loses. Yeah. Yeah. It's super frustrating and it's not true to our why, you know, our why is care and we just got to stay on that vein. And I think that's why um, direct, that's, that's really the foundation of direct primary care. Uh, we just want to help people and we want to care, deliver excellent care to them. And when we contract with a person directly, there's a direct relationship and there's no conflicts of interest and there's no games and there's none of that. It just cuts out all that silliness and, and puts, uh, beautiful care back into the equation. Uh, house calls is needed, uh, telephone, video chat with your doc. It's beautiful. It's beautiful care. No surprises either. No surprise billing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's all transparent. I love it. Yeah. I mean, kind of how a free market should work is that consumers know what they're paying, they know what they're getting, and um, you know what you're getting too. And of course, you as a doctor is really incentivized to make those people happy because they're the ones that pay you. Um, you know, we're in a third-party model. You know, sometimes you know doctors aren't very happy in those models. The system is is like you say broken. So, the consumer is actually the health. The consumer, the payer, of the bill is actually the third-party insurance company. And sometimes that might not be why you get the best care. Yeah, I want to. Can I just share a quick, brief story? About Please, I want it. We love stories. So there is a family that uh, engaged with me um, a while back, and. And, you know, I had, they're, they're, they're very natural, very holistic people, and I love them. Um, I grew up that way with herbs and poultices and all kinds of groovy goodness. Um, and, uh, and it just, over time, I got to know all their kids. And one day, they brought in one kid that I hadn't met yet. And uh, she was coming in because I'm an osteopath, and I do muscle skeletal things all the time. And I was doing an adjustment for her. And, and I saw this kid, and I said, holy cow, um, I'm going to pause our visit today with mom and I'm going to just address this kid. And I spent an hour and 15 minutes asking questions and, and diving into his, his details. And, um, and he was sick. You can tell when a sick person walks into your office, you just know all your red flags go off and all your spider senses and all that. And, uh, how old was he? Sorry to interrupt, but how old? 
Yeah, he was 13. He, 13? Hadn't, okay. he hadn't grown in a couple of years. Uh, he was he was profoundly anemic just on physical exam. And uh, so so I just talked to him. And, and after asking a few more questions, I said, well, there's something going on. And on the exam, he had this abdominal mass. And and uh, I thought it was cancer. And, you know, it was terrible. Um, but we did some tests and we did some ultrasounds and we, and and all very affordably. Ultrasounds like about 160 bucks. And the tests were like twenty five dollars. And, uh, and we were able to pull from from just a, a little bit of money, just pull out a good diagnosis. And and, and it ended up having a stage three B renal failure. Uh, he had hydronephrosis. He was profoundly impacted in uh, and he had a, a pretty rare syndrome called Hinman syndrome. Um, and, uh, and so I, I sent him to the University of Utah, uh, the urology department and the nephrology department. Um, we had to disimpact his, um, his bladder and his bowel and, uh, and kind of just reperfuse his kidneys and his kidneys came back online and are doing much better now. Um, and, uh, and I just worked with these specialists, right? And so direct primary care doctors are not all cowboys, but we, we take good care of people. <laughs> and, uh, and so I worked with the nephrologist, the urologist and the GI doc. And, uh, and we got this kid the care that he needed um, and, and really saved his life. I mean, I think he would have been in just catastrophic mode in the, in the next few months. And, um, and so it's just those kinds of things because I was able to recognize a situation in a fee for service thing, there would have been blinders on, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so absolutely. Your mom, there's nobody else in this office and it's just you. And I see your kid over there. That's really sick. And, and you, know, you should make an appointment for him in three weeks when I can get him in and spend five minutes with him, not asking. Right. Um, and so, uh, so, so it was just, it's just a good manifestation of how, um, we can pair with this current system and, and work with these specialists and work with these guys and these folks that, cause DPC is not specialty care as much as it is primary care, right? Direct primary care. And so, so the family medicine doctors can, can tie in directly with their patients. Well, all along the way, mom would send me texts and emails and, and phone calls about how things are going. And, and I was there for her every step of the way, as this kid was getting worked up, we went from super scary. This kid has cancer and is going to die to, Oh, it's just a pretty rare Hinman syndrome where he's got impaction of his general urinary and, and GI tract. Um, and so, um, so anyway, he's doing great. I just saw him last week and he's no longer anemic and he's growing and he's, you know, he's, he's doing really great. And so it's just great a story. Yeah. So Janet, as a mom, do you have any comments about that story? Well, I do because it, it brings back to me some childhood memories of our family physician. And, and I think as Americans in our culture of healthcare, we have forgotten what that was like. Our family physician knew us probably from the time we were born until we died sometimes. And, um, and I remember even just as um, an athlete in, in high school, our physician being at the games and if you had a sprained ankle or an injury, he was there and the next, you know, I mean, he walked you through everything. And I think those relationships are being rebuilt again in the DPC model. And I noticed that you like to handle sports injuries and injuries. So would you like to share a little bit about the why and, and how you like to dive into that in your practice? Yeah, sure, sure. I love what you said about um, bringing back old school um, principles and, and caring for these families. And I get that a lot. Actually, a lot of my families will tell me, it's like the way medicine used to be. 
right? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's good, good value care. It's awesome. Um, no, yeah. So sports medicine, I've always loved sports. I play a lot of sports. Uh, I play a lot of pickleball right now, but I grew up playing basketball and football and rugby in college and, and uh, volleyball and uh, soccer. Super fun. Um, so, so I've always had a, a special affinity towards sports and towards treating athletes, you know, and uh, understanding what it means to be, you know, benched from a, from a concussion or from a shoulder injury. And so I can, I can help them out with a lot of those things. Um, no, yeah, I love, uh, I love sports injuries. Are, is there anything in particular you want me to talk about today? At all? Well, I know you just made a wonderful video on plantar fasciitis. And I think many of us, including I'll speak for myself, have been affected by plantar fasciitis. So, you know, and it's, it's not just a sports injury, if I'm correct, but, um, it is caused many times by, um, you know, overuse in a sport. So if you could talk about plantar fasciitis, that would be great. Yeah, for sure. So many of my pickleball buddies have suffered with plantar fasciitis. <laughs> and, and like you said, there are some people that don't have, uh, that don't love pickleball that also suffer with it. Um, yeah. So plantar fasciitis is, is if this was your foot, this would be the bottom of your foot ankle. And, and it's kind of like from the heel to around where the toes are. And it's, it's that, that bottom of the foot, super painful, super inflamed. And the, the, the classic presentation is I roll out of bed and I go to, to walk and those first, I don't know, first five steps are just like fire on the bottom of my feet. Um, In there. Yeah, me too. Me too. Oh, I mean, it's like a knife is stabbing you. <laughs> yeah, super painful. Um, and it's often caused from um, flip-flops, bad shoes, not enough support. And, and that plantar fascia just has to constantly move around on that less supported shoe. Sorry, this camera angle is weird. Um, and so, so it just becomes unstable and causes a lot of motion in there and then creates inflammation chronically in that area. Um, super, super painful. Um, and and the, the really the fix is to try to get a, a better shoe system. Uh, I like stability shoes, especially if you tend to be a pronator where your arches aren't really high and rigid, but they tend to just push in just a little bit. Um, that's super helpful to have what's called a stability shoe. All your major brands make a stability shoe and they'll just hold that, they'll hold that talus and calcaneus in a stable position. And really the back two thirds of your foot, they'll hold that into a really stable position so that it doesn't uh, move as much. And so then it lets that plantar fascia heal up. Um, and so that's super helpful. Arch supports are great. And, uh, and I like a good stretching regimen and even icing while you're trying to acutely manage that thing. It's yeah, strange. acutely, right. So I got to tell you a quick story about plantar fasciitis. Sweet. And not just good shoes, but um, wear, wear the good shoes all the time. Don't go around barefoot, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was guilty of that. And I was walking barefoot on a tile floor and I was overweight at the time. So that it just exacerbated it. But I got to tell you a story about my three-year-old son. So he had what I assume was plantar fasciitis. His feet kept hurting. <laughs> So I um I said, well, you need to wear your shoes more. He's going on barefoot all the time. I said, you need to wear your shoes more, you know? <laughs> so one day, one day, his older brother comes in to me and Jana and I, it's bedtime. Jana and I are in bed and 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 my, his older brother says, Dad, you have got to go talk to Jordan. He is wearing his shoes to bed. <laughs> I just told him to wear his shoes more often. I didn't tell him to take them off to, at bedtime. <laughs> so he was anyway, listening to you. Yeah, he was listening to me. It was it was a hilarious story. 
And by the way, he is 18 years old now, and he is the one that will be editing this video. So he'll he'll hear our conversation. And it was oh, it was hilarious. I mean, Jan and I couldn't do anything but laugh. I mean, we really had to smile about it. That's so funny. Well, you know, it's interesting because because one of the things we do with uh, plantar fascia, fasciitis is sometimes it, at nighttime when you sleep, your foot does this, right? And then that plantar fascia starts to just kind of stay in that position and get really tight. And then in the morning when you go to step down and it stretches out, it feels like fire. And so one of the things that we'll sometimes do is put somebody in a brace to brace their feet like this. And so, you know, maybe sleeping in the shoes was yeah, not right. That, that's true. Right? <laughs> yeah. They call those night splints, right? Yeah. 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 I've seen those. We've worked with some podiatrists with those before when we used to do um, medical equipment. So yeah, that's a great one. So another, another one, and I've actually been affected by this too. Um, I'm a competitive uh, mountain bike racer and mm-hmm. I, I, I'm on my bike a lot. And so I get IT band tightness and some hip flexor tightness. So I don't know if they're treated the same or those be treated differently, but I know runners get a lot of IT band tightness. Um, what, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah. The, uh, bikes, cyclists, runners, even athletes of any kind, like I, I, man, that lateral side of your thigh can get just super, super tight and it can start to pull your patella over. Um, all your quad, right? Your quadricep is the front of your thigh. Uh, those four muscles create four tendons that that form into one, and then they encapsulate the patella, and then they go in to insert on the tibial tuberosity of your of your your tibia. <laughs> um, and and so, if your lateral thigh is really tight, it can actually cause that patella to track off off center, and can cause all kinds of problems and pain. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, rolling out your IT band and your lateral thigh and um, lateral quad is super, super clutch to that. Um, they have those, you guys have probably seen those little like hyper ice, like the massage guns and stuff. Um, they have a whole bunch of them out there. And, uh, and, and they have some pretty cool little units and things like that. And, and so stuff like that's really great that you, you got the foam rollers that people roll on and stuff. Right. If you want to like inflict a lot of pain, that's how you do it. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It does hurt for sure. And then, so to prevent that, what do you need? You need to strengthen your, your inner glutes or or your inner, your inner quads. Is that correct? Yeah. I don't know that it prevents it. You still just got to stretch and warm up and and do all those things, but strengthening the VMO will definitely, this medial thigh um, will definitely help with the tracking issues of the patella and any pain that you might develop down in that area. Um, And yeah, just, I would just get a bunch of like, we call it the VMO, which is like the medial thigh uh, exercise regimens. And there's like, it's the last 30 degrees of extension if you're doing squats. And so, so just do baby squats instead of full squats. Um, and then there's a couple of other leg lifts and isometric exercises and stuff you can do to kind of strengthen that medial thigh. Well, and that's why you're, you're not using those auxiliary muscles as much, those smaller muscle groups. So that's why they're getting weaker. And then you start having problems and I'm assuming, right? Yeah, so you're you're jumping, sprinting, cutting, bursting, cycling. It's all lateral thigh and it's really strong big muscles and so so it you know, you got to strengthen that medial thigh too. Right. I made that mistake. I I'm, I'm a weekend warrior. I play tons of sports and I don't work out as much as I used to and so I started having some patellar tracking issues and and some uh, IT band tightness and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for that. By the way, um, for 
for you, Dr. Sanders, and for our listeners and viewers, we are going to put some one-minute videos out of this. So um, stay tuned. If you guys didn't catch that, we'll have a little one-minute segment or a couple minutes of the videos that he talked about, about him treating each specific athletic injury. So um, what's the next one we're going to talk about? Tennis elbow. Pickleball and tennis elbow you talk about quite often, right? Yeah. And why yeah. is it called tennis elbow? Let's yeah. just go into that, first of all. Yeah. Um, yeah, just lateral epicondylitis. It's right here. Just the lateral epicondylitis. It's your wrist extensors. They all insert right there. So if you were to move your wrist out, I can't do it both at the same time, like this, then you would feel it right there on that lateral epicondyle. Dr. Sanders had to step out for just a minute to see a patient, and um, then he will be back and he will finish up talking about tennis elbow. But while we have some time, I wanted to discuss my most recent experience with Christian Healthcare Ministries. As you guys know, and that have followed this podcast and followed us, um, you know that we um, have health sharing ministry called Christian Ministries, and um, we do not like the traditional health insurance model. We've told you many times how we don't we we didn't have good experience with it. Many of our patients don't, just like Dr. Sanders was talking about earlier. So, but let me tell you what our most recent experience was with Christian Ministries. So, as you guys know that are following the story, my son broke his leg in May. And Christian Ministries, we submit the bills where self-pay. That means we pay the hospital and then Christian Ministries um, through shares of other people that pay a monthly membership fee um, pay us back. So, and Christian Ministries was on it right away. We, we, we um, shared the bills with them to the hospital and they were ready to pay very quickly, um, probably within about 30 days. They're ready to write me a check, but I was negotiating with the hospital to get the best possible discount. So I did negotiate a price, uh, a, a discount with the hospital of, of 20%. I don't think that's enough. That's a topic for another story. I will report on that later um, because it still was over $38,000. And for the same surgery, I could have got surgery center of Oklahoma for $8,000, still way overpriced. But Christian Ministries was awesome about it. And we have the bronze, we have the um, bronze plan, which means we have a $5,000 deductible. It's not really deductible because it's not insurance, but we're responsible for the first $5,000. So, um, but here's, here's the beautiful news of that is with Christian Healthcare Ministries, if you negotiate any kind of discount, um, they take that off your deductible. So because the bill was originally $47,000 or so, um, my discount of 20% was like a $9,000 discount. So I ended up um, not having to pay the $5,000 deductible. So it ended up costing us nothing directly out of pocket. That's how Christian Healthcare Ministries works. No insurance company does that. Um, no insurance companies emails you three or four different times and communicates with you saying they want to settle up payment. Insurance companies just deny payment on and on again. So I was very, very happy about that. Um, I'm going to write up that story also on a Facebook post so you guys can know more of the details, but I was super excited about it. Um, health sharing ministries work. If you don't believe it, there's a great story of one. So they sent me, I when I finally authorized the check to be paid when I said, okay, we're ready to be, we're ready to be paid. I authorized it on a Friday. We received a check the next Thursday for the entire amount. 
healthcare ministries work beautifully. Um, we've had the same result with uh, Samaritan ministries before also. So um, go check them out. Um, there's They're not all faith-based either. So we've interviewed actually New Health, K-N-E-W, on our show. Um, had a podcast with them on, there, on here. And um, they tell their story too. So they're all a little bit different. They're a lot less expensive than insurance, and they work. Janet, do you have any comments about that? Um, I do, because um, as we keep moving forward and we keep talking about DPC models and, and sharing ministries, I think as we as consumers of healthcare um, are able to have a say in the matter, um, I believe that this is probably one of the directions that um, we're going to go in this country. And it does give us the freedom to choose our providers at their level of expertise and what comfort level we have with them as a provider. Dr. Sanders is a perfect example that, you know, his clients choose him for his knowledge as his bedside manner and how he can interact with them. And we're not being dictated to by a company. Um, big insurance companies do not care if you have a good uh, relationship with your primary doctor. That is not their motive. And I'm not trying to vilify them in any way. It's just the facts. You know, if you have a provider that you can call up and text and say, is this important or not? Um, and you work with this person over the years, then if something comes up like the child that Dr. Sanders talked about, that something hit him right through uh, the child walking through the door, he addressed it immediately. It wasn't a question of whether this person was covered or not. He knew that this child needed some assistance and help and he was able to practice. And I think the other, the other coin, other side of the coin is healthcare providers are usually very silent in, in this process and they just accept that, you know, I'm just stuck here. This is where I have to be. This is how I'm getting paid. And this is just part of the drill. And, and I don't, I don't buy that for a minute. Sean and I, um, made decisions and choices uh, in our career path to go with a cash system. And it has forced us to be um, answering to our clients up front because we have that relationship with our clients. And it also has been a journey of not just faith, but also a journey with our clients in their health and wellness. And there are many DPC models out there. If you are just saying, you know, I've had enough, I, I, I can't see 20 more patients in this amount of time to, to make that work for me any longer. Um, I don't see my family. The pressures are, you know, next, next. I, I don't have real good communications with my clients. If you're giving your people only three or, you know, three questions to ask when they come through the door and you're seeing them for five, 10 minutes, and that's how you want to practice fine. But if you don't, there are choices. And I, I believe that the more we as professionals take a stand and look for something that's going to give us back our why and our purpose of what made us choose healthcare and offer solutions to patients and take care of ourselves, and then we will be better providers too. And I really believe this movement is growing. Um, when we first took that leap of faith and just went cash, that's been quite a few years ago. And, 2002. And people said, you'll never make it. Well, I can honestly tell you, it wasn't just um, 
we made it financially, but we also were able to make better choices for our family and our clients and our patients. And so I just want to encourage you. There's many people out there. If they're in a DPC model, um, I'm sure Dr. Sanders would be welcome to this. I know we had a gentleman on last week. Um, these other providers will take the time and help you. Um, all the time when Sean is researching for podcast uh, clients or people to interview, we see more and more providers out there, whether they're nurse practitioners, MD specialists that are jumping. They're, they're saying, you know what? I, there's a better way to do this and I want to take care of my clients and I want to find a way to do it. And once they have connected with some people, um, they get the skill set and they're taught how they can do this and it's possible. Absolutely, it's possible. And, you know, we're an example of that. And we're just a one tiny example of that. We might have been a little bit ahead of the curve. And like Janet says, in 2002, when we took the leap of faith and we stopped billing insurance, there were a lot of doubters, and um, including people in the medical field. In fact, mostly in the medical field, but even friends and family too, even, even employees that said that we couldn't do it. And here we are 18 years later, and we're doing better than ever. Now, it's not that there's not struggles, but um, not only do we feel that we are um, able to give better, not only do we like what we do better, but I think our patients like what like it better because we're able to give them um, better service at a better price um, and transparency, just like Dr. Sanders was talking about early on in, in this podcast, is that, you know, we don't have to hide behind what kind of cost something's going to be. We know exactly. We will, you know, if you call us, we will tell you. We're a big believer um, in the free market. Um, I'm a big believer in all kinds of free market, including healthcare. And my book talks about it. So uh, my book, Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It, is available on Amazon, Kindle form. And it really, it's free market principles. It's a transaction between you and your healthcare provider. You knowing what it's cost, you knowing what it costs, they knowing what to charge you, and there's no secrets, there's no surprises. And when it's transparent like that, things get less expensive, and they um, the service is better. So, you have something else to say about that, Janet? Well, I I think if if you're doubting it and you are in the healthcare, um, surgery the. Oklahoma Surgic Center um, welcomed us with open arms, and um, Dr. Keith Smith took the time to even show us around. And, you know, I, I can't tell you, I don't think I've seen happier staff in a surgical center. Um, and I'm not saying that people don't like their job or like helping people in a hospital setting, in a clinic setting, or a surgical setting, but the pressures are different. Um, you're not being... Um, you're not being stuck to somebody else's regiment. You're able to perform at the level you are gifted to and um, people become people again and not numbers. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And if you ever get a chance, check it out. Check out the Surgery Center of Oklahoma on on the internet um, or better yet, go down there and tour. Um, we were, we had did have the opportunity to do that, and it was just it was it was a wonderful blessing, and we just realized um, even more so that we're doing the right thing. Um, free market healthcare is is I think the future, and I think the future, and 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 you, the patient, are in charge of that. Realize that you don't have to accept the healthcare you're getting now. If you don't like it, then change it. Oh, you say, well, um, well, you know what? My employer has this health insurance for me. Well, first of all. 
let me tell you, most of the times, um, health insurance is a ripoff. You are better off paying cash than you would be if if you use your insurance. Here's a good example. So Dr. Sanders, he can get an MRI for 360 bucks. I talked to somebody um, the other day that through their insurance, their copay was $400. Yeah, it was covered all right. They paid more than they would have paid for if they, they paid for it than if they would have paid cash. Medications are that way all the time. And they limit you too. Not only is it not timely, they limit access um, with time or they limit you to a 30-day supply with medications. Um, and that might not be the most affordable or the or the most or the most beneficial for you. So, um, you know, one of the things you can do, and one of the fixes in my book, I'm not going to give away all my book. You got to you got to read it to do it. But you're in control. Remember that. Um, and requesting cash services, that's part of the fix. And another thing is too, is part of the fix is you know what that insurance. Look at the, what an employer pays for your insurance every month. Um, it's upwards of fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month. You really don't get that, and you really don't get that back. Hardly anybody gets that back. So negotiate with your employer. Say, you know what? I don't want this health insurance. It's not worth it to me. I want more money, or I want more vacation, or whatever. Negotiate that because that's how this this problem is going to get fixed. Because right now, the hospitals, the healthcare, the big healthcare entities, they're in bed with the insurance companies. They have got a scam going on. Bigger. So big. The biggest lobbyists in all of, of the country now are in healthcare now. They're the biggest lobbyists around. Bigger than big tobacco, bigger than the gun lobby, it's the healthcare lobby because they make billions of dollars and they want to hide behind non-transparent pricing. That's what hospitals want to do. They don't want to be transparent because they realize then consumers will realize that they're getting scammed. They're getting ripped off. So... um Check out my book. I think you'd learn a lot. We're going to have to invite Dr. Sanders back again, and he can talk um, about um, tennis elbow and specifically what that is and how to f- and how to fix that and treat that. So, we appreciate having Dr. Sanders on today. Uh, you do not want to miss Thursday's episode. Something different than we've ever done before. We are having a. Um, some that's in recovery. They were recovering from drug addiction and they are going to share their story. I'm super happy. I'm super happy that he's excited to share his story. He's shared it a lot with a lot of people. He's also now a recovery coach and I'm super excited to have him on. His name is Joseph Hunter. I'm super excited to have him on um, Thursday. We will be streaming um, eight eight in the morning, eight to nine in the morning, uh, Pacific standard time. And you don't want to miss that. So you've been listening to health solutions with Sean and Janet Needham tune in Thursday. Thank you for listening and viewing. Thank you so much. 